You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Hey, I'm Molly Stewart, and you're listening to Holly Randall Unfiltered, sponsored by Twisties. Twisties is a leading glamour porn site for exclusively lesbian and girl-girl content. Since starting my journey with Twisties, I have shot some incredible scenes with some of the best girls, making some truly amazing fantasies come to life. For 18 years, they have featured the biggest names in the industry, recently rebranding to exclusively female content. Twisties stays focused on raising the bar of what modern porn looks like, while highlighting the up-and-coming talent of our generation. Their Treats of the Month and now Treat of the Year give viewers a taste of what their favorite girls are like under the wrapper. My journey since being their Treat of the Month in January of 2018 has been incredible, and I can't wait to see what they have in store for the future. To unwrap the hottest treats and mouthwatering scenes, visit twisties.com and find them on Twitter at Twisties and Instagram at Twisties Treats. Hi, I'm Holly Randall, and welcome to my podcast, Holly Randall Unfiltered. This is a show about sex, the adult industry, and the people in it. I'm a 21-year veteran of this fascinating little industry, and as the eldest child of the trailblazing erotic photographer Suze Randall, you could say I grew up in it. So forget everything you think you know about porn, because this show is going to change your mind. My guests are some of the biggest names in the industry, and we unabashedly reveal the real behind-the-scenes stories. The funny, the inspiring, the tragic, and the bizarre. Everyone has an opinion about sex work, but few people actually listen to the sex workers. So sit back and prepare yourself for a podcast, which is honest, raw, and unfiltered. I had a bunch of air plants, bought like a hundred, killed them all. Now I have two spider plants, and they are struggling. I thought survive. those were indestructible. That's what people say. <laughs> and I told my mom. But not in your hands. I told my mom, and she went to school for horticulture. Okay. And I'm like, Mom, what do I do? What do I do? Like, how do I keep these alive? And she's like, sometimes they just die. <laughs> it sounds like a like analogy just about life in general. They just die. Sometimes. I mean, it would be fitting. Me and my mom talk about, like, death and death planning a lot. Really? So, yeah. Why? She loves it. She likes to talk about death? Yeah. Why? It's I, just. I mean, you need to be prepared. Do you have a death plan? No. You need to be prepared. Well, I mean, like, for my own death? Your death, people around you, yeah. I mean, I know I want to be cremated, but um, and mourned heavily, and a <laughs> lot of people. <laughs> I want know, a lot of sorrow. I want a lot of sorrow. Yeah. If I die, y'all better be like really sad about <laughs> it. But otherwise, no. I planned to live a long time. See, mm. I have a f- huge fear of death. Oh, death that's why you got to like, talk about death more. Death is like something that freaks it. me out. I don't like things ending. I. Like the finality of it and not being here for stuff is it's a bit perturbing to think about. Yeah. But I think it's you know, death has been a part of my life and I think that it's important to accept that and plan for it. Is that because you work in animal rescue? <laughs> no and you hospice No, it, it's not necessarily like people dying to like animals dying is also sad, but people dying. I think you need to plan more for for that because <laughs> you have a a larger body to do. Yeah. That. Yeah, that's true. But my mom and I talked about um, her death plan and she wants to have a natural burial but she lives like way out in the boonies and I looked and I'm like the nearest place is like four hours mom I'm gonna have to like road trip with your dead body and like a pickup truck or something <laughs> and she's like that's fine weekend at Bernie's <laughs> and I'm like okay mom <laughs> like she's very very death positive <laughs> very death positive very uh, you know what's so funny is we haven't officially started the podcast yet <laughs> but i feel like what we've been talking about is such gold that i think that this should be included yeah. in the main podcast i don't know when you're gonna like start it but i think it should start with the death positive conversation yeah. because I'm, i mailed her a bunch of like death related books too and she's like super into them and this like ask mortician lady on youtube she loves and 
Yeah. Wow. So by the way, people, I'm interviewing <laughs> Bunny Colby. Yes. And uh, we, we've had a very cheerful start to our conversation. Yeah, talking about death things. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, I kind of want to go back to the death thing because now I'm yeah. like really fascinated. Mm-hmm. Ask a mortician. Yes. What kind of questions would you ask a mortician? And I, I need to check out this person's YouTube channel. Uh, her YouTube's amazing. It's so good. She talks about like, you know, like questions people pose to her and then big like death-related events or things like that. But it's... It's just, there's a lot of stuff. And my mom was watching her YouTube channel and saw that cremation isn't actually as green as people think it is. And my mom was like, oh, well, I want to have a natural burial. And the YouTube lady, like, sort of espouses natural burial is, like, one of the better options we have right now. So that's what my mom wants to do. So by a natural burial, does that Mm -hmm. mean you just bury her straight in the ground, like no coffin or anything like Um, that? You can do, like... A compostable one or one that's just like plain wood or you can do like a shroud. Um, But the main thing you have to look at is most of the natural burial cemeteries you can't embalm because you need to just decompose. Right. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Of course. So then probably no open casket funerals. I mean, you could if you do it like really quickly, not even really quickly. If if you watch the YouTube lady, too, she'll tell you like embalming isn't super necessary. Mm -hmm. If you're going to have a funeral relatively soon enough after and it hasn't been like this huge traumatic death like you Mm. probably don't need to embalm uh so no embalming you know nothing she's also like i feel like i also know a lot about like my mom's like end of life wishes as well yeah like no extreme measures like i my mom and i are very very close so (laughs) a a creepy intimate relationship in that way i I know way too much about what she wants for death but wow hopefully it's a long way off people in her family live a very long time okay so that's good so lots of time to plan yeah i mean her uh her grandmother just passed away and she was 102 and uh her grandmother's father passed away when he was 107 so Wow. Lots of time. Lots of time. Lots of time. So much time to ponder your existence yes. on this planet. <laughs> and think about what kind of natural coffin you want, you know? Very important stuff. Oh, my God. This this has been one of the most interesting <laughs> openings to my interview. I'm actually, like, really excited about it. But I yeah. guess I guess we should start talking about you and sure. um, about the adult industry since this is what this podcast is about. It's not a death related porn podcast. It's not, but you know, this podcast can be whatever you There's want it to be. There's always time to switch it up. That's true. And mm. you know, we don't always, <laughs> sometimes talking about penis size gets old and yeah. sometimes you need to just throw some death in there. I mean, I talked, I posted on Twitter and quickly deleted it because I realized it seemed insane, which it was, but I was on like this third date with a guy and I brought up death planning and I was like, oh, this is why he's not talking to me. Yeah, but you yeah, know it's, it's a lot. But I also it's feel like it's important to be authentic. And yeah. if someone can't handle your death talk, then <laughs> yes. maybe they're not the right person maybe for you. Maybe they're not the right person for me. <laughs> if I'm just like, put my cremated body in the elephant Hasbro and let people catch it. Yeah, I feel like maybe if you just put it in your dating profile, like looking like Loves really into death. De- into de- I would love to collect s- dead animals. I would Loves love to death. see the kind of um, people that you would get uh, oh, responding to your profile. I mean, I tell people I collect like dead things, too, and they always get very concerned. What so, kind of dead things? Uh, specifically, I collect cat bones. OK, so, you're really into cats. I love cats so much. I mean... So so why cat bones? Do you just love them so much you want to have them around you in death as in as is in life? Um well I think it's it's good to hone in on something specific so I could just collect all bones, but mm. I think cats are better. Mm. Um but it it's I like the bones specifically cuz it's just it's so interesting how you have that after you die and mm. you're like pretty much decomposed like the bones last a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um and I've thought for a while and talked to friends of mine for a while that when my cat cookie dies I'm like I'm gonna get him stuffed you know taxidermied Mm -hmm. and then I realized recently I'm like it might be a little like uncanny valley to like have him taxidermied Mm -hmm. so I found a place here that actually does um like you can just taxiderm like a heart or a tail or you can just get the skeleton or skull and now I think I'm just gonna get his skull because he's he's a flat-faced cat and Mm -hmm. I'll have like his little flat skull which I think would be 
Very cute. I have a friend who had two cats that he was very um, attached to. And when they died, yeah, he had like the skull like yeah. bleached and prepared. And, and he has that in some kind of display mm. thing. So, Which I think is the right the right level for me to be yeah. like, this is my cat, but it doesn't look just like him. Yeah. And also, you you must be aware of craptaxidermy.com, right? <laughs> Which I would like, uh, he's going to like, when people try to draw Cookie, he ends up looking like an alien. Like he's got this weird face, like it's just deformed. I'm like, how bad could he look if they like taxidermy on? Like, <laughs> no. It's actually one of my favorite websites. I think I have the book too. As much as I like, I'm afraid of death and I, and I don't in- enjoy like looking at dead mm-hmm. things. Crap taxidermy is pretty, pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's pretty engaging. It's your gateway. Um, it's my gateway to death. Yeah. To death talk. <laughs> All right, Bunny, let's talk about you and your life. Okay. So you grew up in a small town. A very small town. What was that like? Uh, horrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I grew up in a small town and... If you look up the population, it'll say like 2,000 people. Mm-hmm. But 1,000 of those people are uh, in the women's prison, which they use for like census purposes because you get more tax money. So it's like 1,000 people. Wow. Um, my graduating class is like 50 people. Wow. So very, very small. <laughs> wow. Is it so – I mean, tell us some of like the pitfalls of living – because I grew up in L.A., so I have no idea. <laughs> which is like, like- – I. I wouldn't know what living it like growing up in LA would be like. I just can't even comprehend that either. Um, I mean, you know everyone, and mm. everyone knows you, and everyone knows all of your business, and you know all of their business, and it's just, it's it's a lot, and it's it's also like where I grew up. Um, it just felt like a very dead end sort of area, and mm. I was like. If I'm going to do anything, I need to leave this town. Like, mm-hmm. that is my only goal in life. Like, I don't care what I I just need to get out of here. And, yeah, it's just, it's very strange growing up in a small town like that. And just having everyone who lives anywhere near you be such a sort of intimate part of your life and know so much about you. And I'm, like, I have people tell me now that I'm, like, kind of withholding or, like, secretive about things and it's not necessarily on purpose, but I think it's, I really appreciate a certain level of privacy. Like, I'm showing hole on the internet, so I clearly yeah. don't care too much about, like, yeah. all of my privacy. Right. <laughs> but, like, there are some things that I'm like, this is for me. This is mine. Yeah. This is for certain people that I let have it. And when you grow up in a small town like that, you don't really have, like, sure, I wasn't showing my tits online then, but I, like, every other horrible part of your life, everyone knows about. And it's just... It's so exposing in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. So how do I assume that everybody in your town probably knows? I would assume. That you do porn <laughs> I now. would assume so. Do you get Facebook messages? I'm not on Facebook. Okay. Um, I deleted my Facebook like even before I joined porn. Um, but I have uh, a couple friends of mine who I like follow on Twitter and we were like good friends in high school and... Some of them still live there or had lived there up until recently. And I would talk to them about it and they'd be like, yeah, people come into where I work and they're like, oh, do you know what she's doing now? What is she up to? And it's like, you know what she's up to. You know what she's like, we all know what she's doing. And it's, I'm fine with it. I mean, like everyone in my life knows that I do porn. My family knows that I do porn. All of my friends know before I joined and so I don't, I don't care if they know or not. Mm-hmm. It's, look me up on Pornhub. Get that rank up, baby. Like, yeah, <laughs> watch it. So your family's okay with what you do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. My mom and I, like I said, we're extremely close. And I told her when I joined the industry. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I tell people my mom is, like, offensively supportive. Like, she is <laughs> very supportive. Um, she is just the perfect mother. And I could not appreciate her more or love her more. Um, but yeah, she's she's totally chill with whatever it is that I choose to do with my life. I'm supporting myself and paying my bills and I am happy and that's all that matters to her. That's great. Yeah. I wish more parents were like that. I know. It's, it's so sad for me when I see people in the industry who have like strained relationships or basically mm-hmm. non-existent relationships with their family. And I'm just like, 
It's so sad, but it's so ha- sad, and it's also I think really hard on your mental health because yeah. when you're going through struggles and you don't feel like you have a support system, no, no, that's really rough. I know because for me, it's like I have my mom who I'm very close with, and I feel like I can tell her anything. I have. You know, my ex and I are like best friends and I have people that I know like if something horrible, like I have them there and I have them to to bounce that off of. And it's it's really unfortunate that other people don't have that. And my mom and I like the way I grew up, I, I equate it to like she's like my old like war buddy where it's like I love her and I love being there. with, But like seeing her in person sometimes like reminds me of like how I grew up and things like that. And so sometimes it's like, it's hard for me to see her, but it's not because I I don't love her. It's just, I remember my growing up in this small town and all of that chaos. Mm -hmm. But I, yeah, we've been through so much together too. And I, I couldn't imagine not having her in my life just because this is how I choose to make an income. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you get started in the adult industry? Mm-hmm. I believe you started off camming, right? Yeah. Um, I was working for the government for a little bit, living in Oregon. And it didn't pay very well. And I was like, mm, I like need some more money just to make ends meet and this and that. And I had saw uh, Hot Girls Wanted, mm. the documentary. Which which one? The very first one? I think one? I saw the first one. The very first one of the girls yes. in Florida. The one that everybody hates. Yes. Yeah. And I saw it and I was like, I can do this. So that's how I started camming. I was like, I can do the sex industry. This seems fine. Even after seeing that documentary, <laughs> because that actually shows the adult industry in like a really negative way. I like it, it definitely shows the negative, but I feel like I'm intelligent enough to understand that you're just going to see one side of it. Like even that's this is true. And even but it's great that you could see certain that. documentarians you're going to have some bias that's shown through like editing and things like that. But I was able to take, you know, more from it than that. And I was able to see like, yeah, there's bad stuff going on. And that's a nice warning about potential bad stuff that could happen. But there are also people here making money and doing all these things. And I feel like that's something that I can do. And I certainly have no problem speaking up for myself or so I felt like it was, uh, a venture that I was okay getting into. Yeah, that's important. The ability to be able to establish boundaries. I think that's what a lot of people mm-hmm. lack when they come into the adult industry. Especially if they're so young, like 18, 19. Yeah. Like you just... Because you don't know how to advocate for yourself you yet. Don't. And the thing is, is like it's honestly like with any form of entertainment or it, really anything in the world. Yeah. Like people are going to take advantage of you. Like you could have you wage theft at McDonald's. Like it could yeah. be any job. Yeah. But that's like I joined when I was like 25, almost 26, I think. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that I did. I don't want to imagine what it would be like if I joined when I was 18. I think mm-hmm. it would just be chaos. But joining when I did, like I had already worked other jobs. I already knew what it was like to be in a job that I didn't like and to have to confront coworkers or bosses and deal with things like that. And you know, just also, as you get older, you just care less about what other people think of you. Mm-hmm. And if I need to be kind of, not necessarily aggressive, but confrontational, if I need to confront you about something that you're doing that's offending me or hurting me or making me feel like I'm in a place of danger, like, I'm okay doing that because yeah. I don't need to impress you. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that about having had other jobs, mm-hmm. because I think it I think it was Alina Lopez who said that um, it was really helpful for her that she had had other nine to five jobs before she came into adult because same thing it kind of taught her about basically how to be an employee and how to like show up on time with what you're supposed to bring be responsible the thing that i always get when i show up on set is like i would remember working these like normal jobs my first job was like working retail i worked at american apparel sweatshop for you made me over um and it's they would constantly hound it in you like any retail job any service like entry-level job you show up, clock in, ready to work. It's not, I show up, clock in, I'm going to check my phone, grab a coffee, do this. And then, like, I'll show up to set on my call time, and other people will, too. And they need to, like, finish doing a bunch of stuff, or they're 20 minutes late. It's just, like, how do you know you need to be ready, ready. Like, yeah. Ready to go, ready to shoot. My like, favorite is when people show up, and they're like, oh, so I need to, like, shower and shave. No, I'm like, no, what? You, what? <laughs> you were supposed to do that several hours ago. Yeah. Like, like that needs is... to happen before... 
before you, get you even set. get here, like before you like even think about coming here, I just, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. But I think that you know, if you've never had a real job before, you don't um, understand that level. That. Yeah, it's just like, oh well, when I did stupid things like this, mom and dad, it was fine, right? Yeah. And it's like this is not what this is. This is a job. Yeah, but the thing is, is that a lot of times, especially if you're young and you're mm-hmm. hot and you're popular. It doesn't matter. You can it get away with that do. shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, honestly, personally, for me, I will definitely shy away from booking somebody mm-hmm. again if I find them to be unprofessional. And I don't care how popular they are yeah. because you're just wasting my time and you're wasting my crew's time. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, you may be hot and you may be popular, but there's girls like Bunny Colby out there who yeah. are also hot and popular <laughs> who will show up to set on time and yes. not have to, like, go take a shower, like, when they get to set. And it's – I. I definitely know that there are other like producers and directors who are like that. And they're like, dude, if you're going to show up and be rude, if you're going to show up and be late, or if you're going to flake, like, we're just not going to want to book you in the future. Like, we're not going to book you. Mm -hmm. But I know there are a lot of other people whose booking decisions are not their own. They're dictated by algorithms and they're dictated by these like much larger companies. And they unfortunately have to deal with people who flake and flake and flake and show up and are rude and show up and leave early and just like all these crazy things. And it's just like, this is yeah. so true. And I had to have this conversation with my production manager the other day because, you know, I shoot for Twisties, which mm-hmm. is Mind Geek, and then for Browsers sometimes too, but I only shoot their contract stars. So it's kind of a different story. But um, there was this girl that they wanted to book who'd kind of like already flaked on us once and was like, you know, kind of difficult. And my production manager was like, why do we have to book her? Like, she's already shown that like she's irresponsible, like she's inconsiderate, she's all of these things. And I was like, I, I get that. Mm-hmm. And and to be fair, like Twisties is actually really receptive to me. If I'm like, I'm not going to shoot that girl yeah. or like I'm just like she was terrible. Can I please not book her again? Um, But in general, yeah, they're they're a company that's looking at numbers. They're looking mm-hmm. at data. They don't care if she inconveniences yeah. my time. They don't care if she takes too long in hair and makeup, like all of these little things like and to be fair, like. They shouldn't really care. It's not no. their problem. I mean, that's my problem the as the fans, producer. The fans aren't going to look and say like, oh, she was rude to a PA on set. Like it's yeah. their company. It's money at the end of the day. It's yeah. profit. That's what and they're. And my I job is to deal with that. that bullshit. That's my job as a yeah. producer is to deal with the bullshit and suck it up. And and honestly, like because I used to whine about that stuff mm-hmm. to my clients. And now I just kind of don't. I'm just, yeah. Unless it's like a real problem. Yeah. And, you know, they're like really difficult or they're like so late that they're really fucking my day over mm-hmm. um but otherwise i'm just kind of like this is this is like what it is you know yeah. and this is the job that i have and my clients give me this job um because i'm he- and i'm here to execute it not whine about it yeah you know what i mean like my job doesn't always have to be easy yeah and it's like i'll see like other talent on twitter and it's of course, it's, like, especially female talent. Because I feel like male talent, they get a role and they're just, like, shooting for that company forever. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the female talent, like, you're just really just trying to get companies to notice you and book you and things like that. Especially if you're newer. And I'll see them on Twitter being like, oh, I wish companies would, like, stop booking these flaky girls or, like, this and that. And I'm just like, it's company. It's, yeah. it's money that matters. You can be the nicest person in the world. You can be there on time. You can be so prepared and have your lines perfect. And you should definitely do that because that's what good people do and you should be a good person. Mm-hmm. But... At the end of the day, like if you're not trending, if you're not, you know, showing up with that algorithm says that you're going to make them money, mm-hmm. they're just not going to book you. And yeah. It's, it's an industry about making money. It's not, this is not a charity industry. Yeah. So it's not like a nice competition. No. Competition. Unfortunately, which I wish it was, but it's not. But on the other hand, though, um, the way the industry has changed so much now with mm-hmm. OnlyFans and personal content platforms, if you are somebody who's really, nice and like engaged with your fans Mm. um you can kind of like build up your you know your career on your own like you don't have to have all the brands hire you all the time yeah i I think there's definitely something to be said about OnlyFans and the different content platforms and you know allowing people a tool to you know sell their content that way but i think it's also you're not going to get like organic growth from OnlyFans. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know people who just do like content stuff. They don't do like professional studio porn. And you have to work so hard to grow up your fan base that way. 
And I think you're still at an advantage for making more money on OnlyFans, making more money selling your content anywhere else if you are getting those studio bookings. Yeah, so, because that's how people find you. Yeah, it's I know a lot of people who they're like, I don't shoot for studios for the money. I shoot for the marketing. Yeah. The promotion is what it's for for a lot of people now. Yeah, this is very true. Mm-hmm. So what was your first scene like? And do you remember <laughs> who it was for? Yes, I shot for Babes. Uh, and oh, that's a, good, with that's a good brand Ryan to McClain. start with. Oh, yeah. and he's so nice. <laughs> yes. He's very nice. I told him up front. I'm like, yeah, this is my first scene. I don't know. What do we do? But yeah, it was, um, it was very funny. I got to throw a, a high heel shoe at him. Oh, wow. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, but it was, it was easy. I mean... Um, like learning the script, it was very simple. So mm-hmm. I feel like it was a good one to get started yeah. with. But I mean, everything, I feel like I knew what to expect. I don't watch porn. I haven't ever watched porn. Mm. But I feel like I get the sense of like people are going to fuck on camera. Um, but it was, yeah, I feel like if you're open and upfront, like, hey, this is my first time. I'm not trying to like mess anything up. Like, mm. I didn't know what opening to camera was. Yeah. But like, you have people there who, are experienced and they were all very friendly about it so able to sort of help me out um and sort of give me direction on what to do to get a good product out yeah i mean it sounds like you kind of had that perfect first experience with like the right brand like a complete opposite of what a lot of the girls on that hot girls wanted experience like a lot of girls i feel so so sad for them because they get in and they their first scene ever is with some like guy who just made like a many vids three days ago and is pretending he's a company and I'm like that's not that's not an actual company yeah, baby but like mine was an actual legit established company with professional people working for them professional male talent and it's so sad that, that that's not the case for a lot of people because that's your first impression of the industry and if that was not my first scene and the second scene that I had was my first scene I would like I don't think I'd be shooting porn. That, I would just been like this was terrible. That's Bye. the thing. It's like it's that very mm-hmm. first introduction. I think that that sets your career yeah, path. Yeah, it really sets the tone for you. And and so a lot of these, you know, people who try porn and then come out saying like this mm-hmm. is the worst thing ever and this is the worst know. decision I made. I feel like I was like victimized and yeah. And I could see what like seeing some of these like sketchy like side like fringe industry like things that they're shooting for like man I might feel but if that was my first scene and they were asking me to do this and they were like pressuring me to do anal and I never like although like I could I could see that you would feel that way of course absolutely and so what was your second scene like because you said sounds like that was pretty awful (laughs) it was just like some guy in a hotel room with like a gopro and I'm like this doesn't feel like a scene were you booked with an did an agency put you on that booking Mm -hmm. wow yeah and it's like I know people who are comfortable doing scenes for like, you know, smaller companies or like people who basically just have like clip stores. Uh, like I have the rule for myself now. Like I'm not going to shoot with somebody who's the like producer, director, and also the talent mm-hmm. unless it's somebody I know personally. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm shooting for somebody that I've worked with before and that's how it's set up, like. We talked about him shooting with Kieran. Yeah, I was going to say, Kieran, uh, Kieran was the first yeah. person who came to mind like, who is like, does a film that, that. Roles, but he's, he's professional. super legit. Yeah. He has a reputation. He lets you pick his cologne. Wow. Have you, you've worked with him <laughs> yes, before, I right? Have. Does he still do that? <laughs> well, he smelled good. I don't remember. It was a little while ago. Every time I've shot you with him, pick it. which Ooh. isn't isn't terribly often because he's like, he's mm-hmm. his own, but he usually takes a shower right before the scene. He does, he which I appreciate. Out, he comes out with a selection of the clone <laughs> for the lady, mm-hmm. and he lets you choose. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't do that for you when you shoot with him, you I'll should, be like, so mad. You should be like, "Call him like, where's my selection of clones? I'm just going to walk off. Like, I can't do this now. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's extremely professional. Yeah. And, you know, even the interaction that I have with him on Twitter of, like, him booking me, like, the first time or this, like, it's very professional. Mm-hmm. And... Some of these people who hit you up on just like my email, I'm like, you are not professional. Like, I'm not here to try to date you. Mm-hmm. Um, like, this is a weird vibe, buddy. Yeah. But yeah, it's like if you're not somebody established in the industry, like, I'm just, I'm not going to. I don't need to be put in that like weird power dynamic of like, okay, we're here to make a scene, but I also have to fuck you, but you're in charge of this scene. Is it mattering if I like sexually pleasure you enough? Am I not going to get booked? Like, how does this work? Like, yeah. So for me, like, just in my own head, like, even if those people would be safe to work with, like, I'm just, I don't need that. 
Yeah. That right now. No. no that makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense that there's some like separation between the producer and the talent. And that yeah. Because it's like if you have a problem with the talent and he's also the How producer. How do I let them know? You can't really go to the producer yeah. or the director and be like, uh, this guy's dick smells. Like, like his dick is gross. Yeah. He's fucking my cervix. Like what? Yeah. 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 Like yeah. what do you do? Right. <laughs> All right, guys. We're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about the one time that a male talent fell mm. asleep on set with Bunny. <laughs> So hang tight. We'll be right back. Holly Randall Unfiltered is brought to you by Rex MD. Should Viagra really cost $90? I don't think so. Look, if you've got ED problems, it shouldn't cost you an arm and a leg to try and improve your sex life. That's why you have to know about RexMD. RexMD.com has FDA-approved generic Viagra starting at just $2 per tablet. And it's delivered discreetly to your door. Here's how it works. Just fill out a brief survey, and if appropriate, you can try a starter pack to see how it works for you. RexMD.com has helped over 100,000 men get generic Viagra from the comfort of their own home. There's no copay, there are no doctor office visits, and your shipping is always free. So if you're looking for generic Viagra, Viagra. RexMD has made the process fast, easy, and affordable. Don't wait another minute because RexMD is now offering starter packs of generic Viagra for new customers only. Visit RexMD.com slash Holly right now to get started. That's Rex, R-E-X-M-D.com slash Holly. Holly Randall Unfiltered is brought to you by Cam Soda. Did you know that guys who ejaculate 21 times a month have a much lower rate of prostate cancer? Imagine that. Who thought that jerking off your whole life could actually be a lifesaver? Now, when you jerk off, you might want something a little different than just run-of-the-mill porn. Maybe you want the real thing, which you can only get on camsoda.com. Live girls from all over the world, 24 hours a day. It's like your own private strip club with thousands of girls. You want to see what the hype is all about? Go to camsoda.com slash holly to get $20 free with your first purchase. It works great from your phone too, so you can even sneak a little viewing time in the bathroom. Go to camsoda.com slash holly to get your free $20 today. Okay, so we're back. So, Bunny, I actually honestly always wanted to ask you to come on. Um, I we've shot we we've only shot together that one time for Naughty America, but that was so funny. So <laughs> it was the real estate thing, yes. and you were selling a house. I was. And with was it Stuart Sterling Sterling? Cooper, yes. Wow, I think I call I've called him Stuart before. This week, so he really didn't like that. Sorry. So goes. I, it's actually been a long time since I've shot um, him or a lot of boy girl. But anyways, um, so Bunny was a real estate agent, mm-hmm. and so. You know, and it was supposed to be like kind of humorous, but the great thing was is that she carried on the conversation about the real estate during the scene. And so like Sterling's like fucking her and she'd be like, and look at the vaulted ceilings. And <laughs> like to me, I was laughing the entire time. And I, I do feel like at some point Sterling was like, Stop talking about the fucking house. But I thought it was <laughs> so funny. I was like, keep talking about the house. This I is was great. like, as uncomfortable as I can make it for him, that's my goal. That like, you did a great Every job. time I shoot with male talent, I'm like, as uncomfortable as I can make you, like, please. <laughs> so tell us about this time that so anyways my point in saying that was I've always wanted to ask you to come on and then um you're like on my list and then I saw you do that tweet like I'll never forget that time that the guy fell asleep on me during a scene I was like okay now I need yes. to have her come on and tell us the story so tell us the story um so it's it's kind of a simple story but I was shooting a VR scene I think um which by the way everybody hates to shoot I don't mind it actually don't really? i just don't like the kissing thing it's weird. i don't know how close to be you know because so is it it's the, hard to gauge because i guess there's different kinds of vr um i'm actually just starting to get into this myself so this is like a pov situation mm-hmm. right so generally the camera's right by the guy's head mm-hmm. so or that, like right in front right so the viewer feels like he's the guy yes so i think it's really difficult a lot of times for the guy because he can't move mm-hmm. and there's like i've shot a bunch of vr and i've shot before where like the guy is just struggling and it's like Maybe his first or so VR scene. It's like, yeah. VR is not for you, baby. That's fine. Just, yeah. Now you know. Yeah. Because you really have to just lay there. You're just, you're just steady. And yeah. it's, you can't interact with 
the female talent unless she guides you to interact with her. It's like, oh, touch my tit. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's otherwise the guy's like, I didn't put my hand out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's hard for the audience to see it. Right. But yeah, I was shooting a VR scene (laughs) and I was shooting with Ryan Driller. Mm. Uh, Who sadly is, I don't think, he stopped working since he got his knee surgery. It was right before his knee surgery too it was right before it um and we were shooting uh this like scene where i think i was like supposed to have like a sort of like airbnb thing and he was like my guest there Mm -hmm. um and so i'm on him doing cowgirl and i'm just like riding him talking to the camera because you want a lot of like talk during vr too Mm -hmm. very engaging and I notice as I'm riding him, I'm like, you hear some noise. I'm like, what is that? And it's just like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, is he snoring? He's asleep. He's asleep. He's snoring. Yeah. He's just like out. And so I stopped riding but his him. Dick's still hard. It was hard. Yeah. Wow. So I stopped riding him and I look and he like keeps to wake up. And we have to like wake him up. And I'm like, uh, we're probably catching that like on audio. <laughs> like, hello. And I've I've seen some of the people on set since then. I bring it up every time, and I'm like, Ryan Driller fell asleep. What did he say when you woke him up? Like nothing really. So go, young, I'm tired. Like it was just normal for him, I guess. I I the like, fact what? that he can fall asleep just during it is pretty impressive. raging erection. Yeah, wow. I was like, how? And I was like, I would be kind of offended, but I also don't care. I was just like, wow. If he had just stayed silent and wasn't snoring, like, I would have just finished the scene. I was like, this is fine. But then it might be rape, then. Well, I don't... He started off consenting, though. But consent's an ongoing discussion. That's... I guess that's true. Yeah. I guess that's true. Yeah. Maybe wake him up. Yes. Is still okay? Just like, please stop snoring. (laughs) You're good. So what are your favorite kinds of scenes to shoot? Do you prefer boy, girl, 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 threesome, solo? Um, So I just like doing a variety. Um, mm-hmm. I really like doing funny scenes because I just think it's more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like serious stuff has its place. And it's like it's interesting to do that, too. And like, yeah, professional actor moment. Mm-hmm. But I just I really enjoy the like funny things where I can improvise and say stupid things. <laughs> Um, I like doing like fetish things. It's just interesting to see new things mm. like that. Like specifically what? Uh, well, I do like a, a good bit of like femdom, like all I could see you as a femdom. Yeah, I think I think people like the sort of juxtaposition where mm-hmm. I don't seem very threatening, and then mm-hmm. I am threatening. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have like that kind of innocent threatening, like <laughs> like that creepy. I could see that because you do, like, you are very, like, sweet and Mm -hmm. innocent and you have, like, this kind of soft voice. But I could see how that could be sinister in its own way. I have this this person who who would tell me that uh, I reminded them of the, the, like, little children's nursery rhyme, Little Bunny Foo Foo. And I'm like, oh, it's so violent. I don't know that nursery like, rhyme. Little bunny foo is like hopping through the forest, uh, catching all the field mice and bopping them on their heads. Oh, like, yes, killing yes, them. Yes. Okay, I do that. I'm like, oh rhyme. no, accurate, but also little little offended. A lot of nursery rhymes are actually they're dark. pretty dark. They're real dark. Like, um, uh, what's the one about um, uh, the plague. Oh, Ring Around the Roses. Ring Around the Roses mm-hmm. about the plague. Yeah. You know what's funny is, so there's a nursery rhyme that I sing to my daughter, which my grandmother used to sing to me, and I haven't heard a lot of people sing. Mm-hmm. But it goes, um, I'm not going to sing it because I have a horrible voice. <laughs> but it goes, my oh my, what can the matter be? Three old ladies stuck in the lavatory. Um, they'll be there from Monday to Saturday. Nobody knew it at all. Oh my god, that's horrible. <laughs> it's three old ladies who died in a bathroom. Well, I don't know. They were just stuck in there. From Monday to Saturday. Monday to Saturday. I think nobody knew. We it can at make all. some assumptions about what happened to those ladies. But I sing that's a this, long time. I sing this to my daughter to put it's her to dark. bed because my grandmother sung it to me and so like it reminds me of my grandmother. But oh my when you think about the words, it's it's You're weird. like, Oh, we shouldn't we shouldn't look into this. But they're all kind of dark and yeah. strange. Or like all of the like Disney things that were actually like grim tales, like uh, Little Mermaid. 
dark. She dies so at the dark. end, turns into the sea foam. Horrible. Cinderella, the stepsisters, cut off part of their foot to fit into the slipper. <laughs> this is this is in the Grimm's fairy tales. Yeah. Can we also too talk about how sh- fucking traumatic Disney movies are? Because Always I tried dead to put mothers. on so many dead mothers, so many dead mothers. Like, what's up, Brilla? You good, Walt? <laughs> I tried to put on Dumbo for my daughter the oh, other day because I loved that, and I couldn't it's get so past that minutes. The part where like they decide that she's a mad elephant because she's trying to protect <laughs> the baby, and they put her in a cage, and then the baby goes to visit her, and then he puts his trunk in the box, and then she puts her trunk in the box, and then they touch trunks, and they it's that so music. sad. I fucking sobbed. I was so I like turned the TV off and I'm like sobbing. And my husband comes in. He's like, "What's wrong?" I'm like, "I put on Dumbo." And he was like, "Okay." Like I think we need to cancel Disney. (laughs) Disney, you're canceled. It is actually crazy too to watch those old movies because. And now, of course, they have the disclaimer at the beginning saying like this movie contains stereotypes that were wrong then and are wrong now. Oh, like. Lots of racist stuff. So much racism. racism. Like stuff. Peter Pan was another Ooh. thing that we put on, like the Red Man dance. And you're like, maybe skip Whoa. this scene. Whoa. Yeah. It's I, crazy. I had recently rewatched uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, I haven't seen it. It was my time. favorite movie as a child. And I mean, like, five years old. Um, and I'm like, I'm watching it. I'm like, why did my mother let me watch this? This is so sexual. Like, yeah. it is in your face and I'm like I had my sexual awakening to Tim Curry in drag which I think explains a lot about me and I was just like why did my mom let me I also really loved boy George I thought he was the prettiest woman I'd ever seen Mm. I was like she is beautiful and my mom's like that's a guy I'm like "Mm, yes (laughs) just yeah We've got on some really interesting tangents on this. On this, I have like all these shows about like, what do you think about penis size? Like, what is the biggest misconception people have about the adult industry? And we're just here talking about Disney. We're talking about death. Yeah, we're just uh, we're Fun running the stuff. gambit. Maybe we should. Maybe I should try to bring us. <laughs> I don't know. Um, okay, let's see. So here we go. Mm-hmm. You have an OnlyFans, of I course. Um, and I, I notice that you always promote that people are actually talking to you, mm-hmm. which um, isn't the case for a lot of performers. Obviously, I'm not going to name names. Um, but a lot of people, like, you know, they, they have a service yeah. who end up answering the DMs, which is understandable because some of it's these a girls lot. have it's a lot. so many subscribers. Yes. Like, how could they possibly have the time to talk to everybody? But anyhow, so, um, like... How is your interaction with your fans and like how do they treat you in general? Do you ever feel do you ever any stories about like ones that make unreasonable demands on oh, you? Yeah. Like what's what's some of your most what is some of the best things about your fans and some of the worst things? Um I mean I have fans who are just treat me like a human being, which I appreciate. Uh and they're very polite and they will, you know, compensate me for my time, which that's why I'm there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they want to talk to me about just like things in my life that I'm open to talking about. And then I have other fans who fans who like go on my OnlyFans and pay three dollars and just be like, show me your pussy. Why is there no video of anal? Why aren't you doing DP? I'm like, please. Yeah, please go. away. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's just you have people who are wanting to be your friend and not like I'm not there be your friend like i'll be polite to you i'll be like very nice to you um but i'm not here to be your friend and i'm not here to uh really expose more of my life to you than i'm comfortable exposing to anyone mm-hmm. and demanding that's not gonna make this better for anyone and i'm also not here as like you're just like turn on the button on the sex doll she's just here at my pleasure because i paid three dollars for the century fee for only fans mm-hmm. and i think people who understand you know i'm paying a subscription rate to get a certain level of service and content and if i want anything more i can politely ask for it and expect that i have to compensate them for that additional service mm-hmm. like i appreciate that like I, i'm totally willing to have a conversation with somebody about where i do sexting or customs or if i do them or what limits i have on them um if if they're going to be polite and appropriate about it but if you're coming at me just like aggressively sexual like i understand that my job is sexual and what i do for you as a fan is sexual in nature generally 
And I have no problem with that. But you don't need to just like send me a photo of your dick and talk about like this massive load you just came. Like that's not what you're paying me this this level of money for. If you want to get there, we can get there. But yeah. not up front like that. Like not, especially not for free. Yeah. So. Yeah, it, I, that is a big thing. A lot of guys just want to show you oh, their yeah. penis. They're like, I don't want to see your penis. I'm good. Yeah, it, it's funny because I, I get that too. Like, can I show you? my dick and i'm like well i see a lot of penis i'm just gonna be like okay that's a dick job cool. and like i get paid more than that to yeah see it so. it's just, i don't i don't understand unless it's like some park flasher vibes where it's just like i made you see it like i don't get the point of why you want me to like dick rates i don't understand do you do them though no mm. i'm like i just don't get like what i'm gonna be like a five, like. Oh, so you're gonna be honest? I'm, be, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm oh, gonna be honest. Okay, well, that's your problem. You can't <laughs> be like, honest uh. with the dick ratings. But it's also just like it's just a dick, bro. Like, how much am I supposed to? Like, they're not like objectively, dicks are not that attractive. There's a couple where I'm like, decent job, like <laughs> good job, on good work. Time. It looks like you clean it. There's a, a lot where you see it and you're like, have you heard of soap? Like, what is going like? Dick rate your doctor, bro. Like, have him rate this. Like, he needs to look at this, not me. But most of them, you're just like, it's a dick. Like, yeah. Okay. Like, I don't, I don't have an opinion. I don't. I don't so, know. speaking of, like, <laughs> yes. how, how do you feel about, pe- like, is penis size penis important is? to you? Um, to an extent. I would definitely say I'm not a size queen. Mm-hmm. Uh by any means but i think like you need to have be working with something Mm -hmm. um i think my ideal you know boyfriend dick is you know above average but i so if average is 5.5 which it is yeah i would say like because guys always want an exact number sorry they want to know what is average what is like because i've had girls come in and literally be Oh, okay. Oh, we're pulling out a measuring tape. Look mm. at this girl. She's prepared. I go to Home Depot a lot. I was going to say, why the fuck do you put measuring tape on your keychain? Unless if I'm on set measure- with a guy and I'm like, you said it was how big? <laughs> oh, let's see. Mm. So 5.5 is average? Yeah. You're talking like base of the dick. So this is like yeah. pelvis. Wow, that's little. That's erect? Yeah. I mean, if you got some girth, that would be fine. That's 5.5. I mean, that's okay. That could be fine. Yeah, it's it's hard to tell too because you're like, yeah. If yeah. you got some, if you got like pencil dick, that's yeah. Be, I mean, that's if it looks, if it's this, thin, <laughs> then you might have a problem. <laughs> see a doctor. <laughs> like, ugh. um, yeah. I would say, and again, it, it really depends on the person and like girth. Like, there's a lot of factors. My ideal, I think, would start at least probably a six point five. Is that what this is? No, oh my I god! Say, you thought I'm that like, was an that inch, not- girl? That's six point five. Okay, yeah. I think you you can That's start good. there. Okay, um, you know this is this is twelve. I, oh, I fuck would, that! I would not want to do twelve. I'm sorry. Does anybody actually have a twelve inch penis? I think some people say they do. Hmm. I'm sure Dred's got to be right. That's what I was. Got to be. I, yeah, I don't dick. know. I've never met him. Um, yeah, I, I haven't met him in person. I haven't. I've heard he's really nice. I have, I have heard that too. I just reached really out to him and nice. asked him if he wanted to do my podcast, and I haven't heard back. Dread. I'm oh, just saying that's not very nice. I have. I did. Mm. I just. I feel like twelve <laughs> would be fine for a scene, but it's not something I'd want to do every day. You'd have to prepare for that. Yeah, you would. I'd it's. Never... I'd need a couple Ryan McLean scenes before that. You could do. Like you know, three. You could do four, like four. <laughs> we could both do. <laughs> yeah, you need to have a buddy there to help you. Yeah, twelve's a lot. Twelve's a lot. I, like I could maybe do twelve for a scene, but it's not something you do regularly. No. I think if I'm talking like on the reg, like that's nine. Nine seems like even a lot. Nine's a lot. Nine's a lot. Yeah, I'm saying like six point five to maybe eight-ish is okay. what I could handle on the regular. Okay. But I don't know that I want to start at eight. Yeah. I mean, eight's yeah. big. Eight's, eight's really big. big. This is big. Yeah. Eight's really big. That's real big. Yeah. Oof. Because I have like some dildos that are like supposed to be eight or whatever plus. And it's like, you're never putting the whole thing in anyway. No. Like, no. that part of your dick is never getting wet, sir. It's just not. <laughs> like, you can only go balls deep so often if you got a dick this big. Yeah. Yeah. That's, like, and then you're just like, 
messes hitting the cervix. It's I fun. know. I gotta like. I tell dudes on set all the time. I'm like, hey, be careful, like cervix. Stop hitting. Like, they never listen. Like, yeah. what do you think you're doing back there? That's not the G spot. <laughs> yeah. So, do you actually do custom videos? I do. What are some of the most ridiculous requests you've received? <laughs> um, or maybe fun requests. I don't know. Well, I don't know if I, I would say ridiculous, but I would say unique. Okay. Um, I have this one fellow who uh, hits me up for videos of my nose. Huh. And it's just like here. And it's just like me like pinching my nose or like things like that. Or he likes blowing the nose. Wow. It's just nose. And he also really likes it when it's just like... The phone light and no other light. So it's very, like, intense, very stark. Have you ever asked him why? I don't need to know why. Like, I'm always so curious as to know, like, where yeah. people's fetishes come from. I feel like sometimes they know, but often I feel like it's it's just so, like, something in childhood. Like, mm-hmm. and also I just, I don't need to know. It's not my yeah. business. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> like, who cares? You enjoy masturbating to my nose, sir. Like, that's that's all we need to have yeah i had a conversation with madison ivy about this because apparently like she's i've never noticed but she has like bigger nostrils i guess oh um she said there was a whole reddit <laughs> oh god the size of her nostrils that's mm. and there's some people who are really into her nostrils and that's they like crazy. want pictures like videos like of her nostrils wow yeah i feel like yeah i i do not have that sort of reddit community <laughs> Mine is yeah, just, it's just all boobs. It's, you do have lovely boobs. It's just all about the boobs. You do yeah, have lovely boobs. They're great. Which I know you spent a lot of money on. I did. I did spend a lot of money on them. Which I think is important. It is. Because you, there's, yeah. you know, plastic surgery is one of those things you cannot. Don't like, try to get a Groupon on it. Like, <laughs> no, no, you don't want to go on the cheap on that. Mm-mm. It is always going to, um, you're going to regret it. Oh, like, just yeah. don't get it at that point. Like, don't try to get a discount on surgery. Like, you wouldn't want that for, like, heart surgery. Why would you want it for plastic surgery? Like, it's still surgery. You're still being put under. This is true. And I tell people a lot of the times, too, like, people see my boobs now. They don't see, like, what they used to look like before mm-hmm. I got them or before I had the revision. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was very early into my porn career. And it's like, I had to have two. A lot of people have to have two. You should expect to have to have two. Mm. It's just, you know, it's, they do surgery as like a one size fits all thing, but it's, they're doing what they need to do for most people. But you're probably not most people because there are outliers outside of average. And yeah, you might need a revision. You might need to pay double what you paid and get another surgery. Did you go to the same doctor for your mm-hmm. revision? Yes, I really liked him. Uh, I love his bedside manner and he wears cowboy boots every time I see him. Well, that's that's that sells me. Very nice guy. So what? why did you have to have the revision? Because um, obviously mm-hmm. you, you must not have felt that it was like malpractice. As to no, no, not at it. all. And it's... You know, like I said, like sometimes you can do everything that you would normally do for a surgery and totally appropriate, but not everyone's body is going to respond the same way. Yeah. And uh, the situation that I had, uh, they fell out of pocket. Mm. So my nipples are like way up here and the scar like where the incision was was like higher on the boob than it should be because it should be in like the fold if that's where you're yeah. going through. And then I... And very vascular mm-hmm. and the scars didn't heal well at that point and I was trying to get these like vascular lasers done to fix the scar and I was just like basically playing catch up mm-hmm. um so I talked to my surgeon I'm like do I need surgery to fix you know it looks like they're like wonky and he's like oh yeah you definitely need surgery and he's like it'll also be a good time because then you can start literally as soon as the incision is healed you can start doing the laser then and preventing it instead of trying to play catch up and right um, they're the exact same implants, everything like that. They just, the capsule that forms around them, they stipped, stitched that to my rib cage and moved them up and in and, uh, did that. And I think they look great. I'm super, super happy with how they turned out. I was very worried about getting the revision. I'm like, I'm going to pay X number, thousand more dollars and they might look fucked up again, yeah. but I'm, I couldn't be more pleased yeah. now. And what a lot of people don't realize, too, is you usually have to get them redone every 10 years, right? Um, so that's actually uh, sort of like old thinking on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I asked my surgeon about that, too, when I got them done. And he's like, unless you have an issue with it, you don't really need to. And then if, if you do and it's been like 15 years or so, you might want to get like a scan, see if there's anything wrong. But with the way that the implants are made now, 
Like you could keep them as long as you feel fine with them. You really don't need to do anything. So yeah, I guess the, when I think of that, I think about people who are getting them redone now, mm-hmm. who had them originally done ten, fifteen years ago. Yeah, and the technology was yeah, different. exactly. And it's you know the especially if you're having like saline or something mm-hmm. like that, where it's the implant might not be as like sturdy. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um. What is the one thing about the adult industry that you would like to see change? Um, I think I would uh, I would like it more if there were more avenues for us to change things when bad things happen in the industry. Mm-hmm. If somebody needs to speak out about something that happened to them on set or with another talent or a producer or an agency or whomever, I think that we need more... Um, avenues for them to go and have it be a straightforward process and a time efficient process and a process where they're not going to be ostracized or have to fear about other people harassing them and not just us you know I'm sure you hear this all the time like I hear it so much being in the industry where it's like oh like all the stuff that happened in Hollywood can never happen here because people like know what we do in porn and they would like call us out on it and it's like I don't feel like that's true like yeah we don't have necessarily like a Harvey Weinstein in porn but my like the way that I felt about it when I was going through stuff in porn was like stuff happens in porn we just sweep it under the rug like we just like don't talk about that because we can't have people like outside of porn hear this and hear that something bad happens and I think we're all bad yeah just, like, that's that's a fear because there's already so much stigma around the adult mm-hmm. industry so when these situations come up where yeah. there's you know, sexual harassment, sexual exploitation, mm-hmm. and like any of those things, because the general public expects that to happen yeah. all the time. And we're trying so hard to rewrite their um, their reading of us. Mm-hmm. It's like, we yeah. don't want to talk about that because then everyone's be like, of yeah. course that happened. It's porn. But yeah, it, so it's like we silence those people. Yeah. We don't give them, you know, the sort of pulpit that they need to actually speak out about this. Mm-hmm. And then nothing changes. Like, that's yeah. the worst part to me is like, nothing changes and it's just like i wish we had a more more of a like governing body of porn like we don't like we're all independent contractors there's like a couple big companies but there's no real oversight for what we're doing by and large and anytime we have like the government in california try to suggest more oversight like they don't get a lot of input from us but there's a lot of backlash even before people look into what that oversight might be Mm -hmm. and it's just I just wish there was something we could do where we would have people from porn have their input about how it needs to be run, but that there would actually be something going on where it's like, we're looking out for these people. And yeah, it's just, it's so unfortunate. And you look at people who get into porn and they're 18, 19, and you don't know what your rights are. You don't know what is expected of you on set and if that's legal or not, if that's normal or not. And what can can you do if something goes wrong? Yeah. It's just you don't know what avenues you have. And then even if you look at the avenues that you do have, like how much time and money are you willing to spend to maybe get a result or maybe not? Mm -hmm. Like it's just it's very convoluted and I don't know that I would have a perfect solution for it. But I feel like us not talking about it is not a solution. And that's a lot of what I see lately or just like us having like little Twitter things about it where it's like, yeah, we called somebody out on Twitter and we all supported that person, hopefully now, hopefully. And then nothing happens. And then companies still book them. And then like, it's just, yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Bunny, thank you so much for thank coming you. on. We, I have all these questions, I know. but we've, we've run out of time. Very mm. sad. So have to come back and answer more questions. <laughs> yes, talk about my dating life. I know, I know. I know. <laughs> Where can people uh, find you online? Mm, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bunny Colby. That's B-U-N-N-Y-C-O-L-B-Y. Uh, and you can also find my links to OnlyFans and Minivids on there as well. Fantastic. And you guys can find me at Holly Randall on Instagram and on Twitter. If you want to support this podcast, as always, you can go to patreon.com slash Holly Randall Unfiltered, where you can watch interviews like this live. Mm. Thank you so much for watching or listening, and we will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my show and want to support it, I ask that you take the time to rate and review my podcast. Now, if you're not sure how to do that, you can go to ratethispodcast.com slash HRU 
and you'll automatically be directed to the various podcast apps your device supports and then be led to the place where you can rate my show. Five stars, of course, and leave your glowing review. Okay, it doesn't have to be glowing, but you know, say something nice. You can also financially support this show through my Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash Unfiltered, where you get so many perks for your support. Things such as early releases and live recordings of my interviews, merchandise such as stickers, mugs, and hoodies, autographed copies of my photography books, free access to my private Snapchat and not-safe-for-work website hollyrandall.com, and my bonus podcast, My LA Porn Life. Also, join my Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash hollyrandallunfiltered, and you can watch the video versions of these interviews at youtube.com slash hollyrandallunfiltered. Oh, and of course, sign up for my newsletter at hollyrandallunfiltered.com and get all the info on upcoming guests and special projects. Again, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for supporting my podcast in whatever way that you can.